And welcome to Lockdown Wild, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your Minnesota Wild team every day. My, I am your host. My name is Joe Booley. And with me is Tony Abbott from the Athletic Minnesota. Uh, we are your host here on, on Lockdown Wild. And uh, for today's episode, we've got a, a fun little uh, experiment or whatever you want to call it. But uh, we're going to go over, I think, Tony, you created a a list, a ranking or of sorts of uh, of the top 10 players that were traded by the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it, this decade, this decade, I saw a tweet from Bonks Mullet of Ottawa Senators Twitter fame, uh, and he listed the top 10 players traded by the Ottawa Senators of the decade. Number one, Eric Carlson. Number two, Mark Stone. Number three, Matt Duchesne. Number four, Jason Spezza. Five, Mika Sabanajad. Six, Mike Hoffman. Seven, Kyle Turris. Eight, Ben Bishop, nine Nick Felino, and ten Jacob Silver, uh, and ten Jacob Silverberg, and I was like, at first, I was like, oh, this is very funny that Ottawa has gotten rid of so much talent. But then I, I thought about it, and I was like, okay, what would the Wilds list look like? The yeah. top ten players traded by them of the decade. So I sat down, I looked at every trade, and I came up with ten. That Ottawa list though is like a murderer's row. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a Stanley Cup winning team. <laughs> that's uh that's pretty amazing that uh, I guess the ineptitude that they of of their talent uh, evaluation for the, the senators. And I mean, I guess it's not all that surprising because just look at where the senators are now. But um it'll be interesting to go through this and see what the wild gave up. That is an elite goalie. At, at least at, at points over this uh, this last decade, uh, the best defenseman in the world mm-hmm. and a murderer's row, like a, a, a real solid top two lines. And then Nick Felino and Jacob Silverberg on the third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So. All right. Do you want to just get right into it then? Let's, uh, let's let's see what we got here. Yeah. Just a couple of honorable mentions before we start up. And this uh, we, is inverse order, correct? Yes, inverse order. I'm counting down from from ten to one. Uh, but we'll start with a couple of quick honorable mentions. Uh, I put Cal Clutterbuck and Johan Larson on this, and I, I think okay. both of those players were uh, traded away in in pretty good trades. Yeah, uh, the Cal, Cal Clutterbuck trade was obviously for. Uh, Nino Nino Ryder, who became a, a pretty big stalwart on the uh, the Minnesota Wild throughout this decade, uh, who was also obviously um, isn't on the team anymore, but uh, but pretty beloved, another uh, um, fan favorite, and he got the guy seemed to you know he didn't discriminate; he always liked to hit pretty much whatever was on moving on the ice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Johan Larson, who's um, Kind of carved out a nice little bottom six niche in in Buffalo. Um, I, for a while there, I wasn't sure if he was even still in the league, but he's still hanging on. And he was traded with what uh, Matt Hackett uh, on a couple picks for Jason Pominville. Yep, he was uh, he was in the uh, Jason Pominville trade. Uh, there was a lot of hype around Johan Larson when he was coming up. I don't remember, or I don't know if you remember, but his nickname mm-hmm. at the time was the Grumpy Swede, which <laughs> ruled. Yeah. Well, I do remember there was a game, a set of games, I think, 
was it was it 2012 or 2013? He played in one NHL game with the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and I just remember because it was that was the same time that the Granlin was around that uh, that um, Zucker Zucker was up, Eric Holla was up, and the team actually just looked fast. Like it was the fastest I think I've ever seen the team because of these kids. Yeah, then he got traded. <laughs> yep. So uh, they uh, they made the bottom of the list, and then uh, at number ten, uh, obviously, if it was like players of the decade, he'd be much higher on this list. Uh, but Jason Pominville as as the tenth best player that the Minnesota Wild traded in this decade, and this is actually the trade for uh, Marcus Foligno and Tyler Ennis as kind of a in a roundabout salary cap dump that really didn't save much on cap space. No, but uh, but I think Minnesota ended up winning that trade actually by getting Marcus Foligno. Yeah, having Marcus because basically uh, Ennis didn't do very much, and Marco Scandella hasn't done very much except for make four million dollars in Buffalo every year. He's really mm-hmm. good at that. But um, yeah, I, I think if you're looking at it as a trade for Jason Pominville for Marcus Foligno. I think it is at the very least even and uh, and probably a win for uh, Minnesota by virtue of the fact that uh, Marcus Foligno is still playing and uh, playing at a, at a decent level. And, and you know, Pominville had a couple of seasons with Buffalo where, you know, he was about a 30-point player with strong underlying numbers, which, you know me, I'm a fan of the strong underlying numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think I'm going to give the edge to Foligno. Okay. But uh Pominville was tenth. He was number ten. Yeah, I I do remember that trade and I remember uh Buffalo fans were kind of upset that uh that they tr- had to trade uh Marcus Felino and that uh I, what I thought was odd even then was that Felino was kind of the target in this trade. Um but uh you know, maybe uh, maybe Chuck Fletcher is actually a little vindicated on that. He absolutely is, in my mind. Number nine on my list is uh, Merrick Zidlicki, who was uh, traded in uh, in 2012. I think his better days of the Wild were behind him. He was kind of mm-hmm. struggling on on a, on a Wild team that was real bad. Real it must bad, be said. Yep. Yeah, and he uh, he actually requested this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Minnesota got uh, a couple of picks out of this. Uh, Washington's second round pick in 2012, and uh, also a, a conditional pick that uh, the condition, whatever it was, ended up triggering because that pick in 2013 ended up going to uh, the Islanders in the uh, in the Cal Clutterbuck trade that we mentioned earlier. Okay, uh, But they also brought back a couple old faces in Curtis Foster and Stefan Veyu. <laughs> uh, Curtis Foster was uh, shaping up to be a solid defenseman, if I remember. Uh, he obviously suffered that tragic, um, not tragic, but that that uh, devastating, devastating, catastrophic femur injury. Um, he's kind of the reason why the the uh, the NHL has changed their their icing rules because touch up icing was so dangerous at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Stefan Veyu is uh, kind of everybody's lovable redhead, fiery guy. And uh, they also got Nick Palmieri, who ended up being a farmhand for the uh, Houston Arrows for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, played a few, Paul Mary played a few games in the NHL and didn't look too bad um, with the Wild. But uh, again, probably just one of those guys that was never really going to be a part of the Wild's long-term plans. Yeah, ended up getting held off the score sheet in those nine games that he played with the with the Wild proper. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to uh, we're at number seven now, huh? Or eight? Eight. We are at number eight. That is Martin Havlat, who was traded straight up for Danny Heatley. Yeah, yeah, that that one's not bad. Um, this, so if I remember right, Martin Havlat was here. I think all one of like season. Two, one season. Uh, it was kind of the. Uh, oh, sorry, two, two. Yeah, it was two seasons. It was kind of the makeup move for letting Marion Gabrick walk uh, that Chuckle Fletcher did, and. Uh, after it was clearly just kind of not working here, I th- they sent him packing. They got him one for one pretty much. I think it was right after the uh, – the, it was this came after the Brent Burns trade um, yes. at the draft. And uh, it, we were wondering how – you know, there must have been a hotline with the, the uh, San Jose Sharks or something like that at the time. Um, but he they came back and he was – he was mostly serviceable in those first, I think, couple seasons, and then really just fell off a cliff. I uh, have that. It, it's kind of the same story that. It, well, I, I guess in uh, in Minnesota, it didn't work out very well with uh, with Havlat in the Wild locker room. He goes to San Jose and he puts up uh, respectable numbers in three seasons. The problem there was that uh, kind of the story of Havlat's career hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, long-time Chicago Blackhawk, I think, before he came to the Wild as well. Um, yeah, I remember that that one because uh, that was the uh, – soon enough, though, we were probably going to find out that, that that hotline with the Sharks was uh, transported to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, 67 points in 127 games over three seasons. Uh, not terrible. It's certainly not the eight through ten that uh, that Ottawa traded away over the last decade. Like that's some real strong depth, but uh, I think it steps up a little bit over at number seven, which is Charlie oh. Coyle. Okay, wow, at seven, huh? Yeah, I think so. All right, what's your reasoning for number seven? Uh so uh, there are six players that I think were better <laughs> uh, than <laughs> Coyle that yeah. got traded away. That's uh, fair, that's fair that's, enough. That's my number one reasoning. Uh, I don't know. I think he's right in there with the next group that's coming up on the list. Sure, uh, sure. I, I think what kind of uh, put Coyle maybe on the lower end was because uh, Coyle was a very, very good player, but, you know, uh, middle six guy. Like, I, I think maybe uh, maybe the guys ahead of him had more of a case of being uh, top line-ish. Um, and and while Coyle was very solid for, for many years in the Minnesota Wild... He basically had one season where he was really delivering on like that like uh undeniable top six guy. And I mm-hmm. mean e- even then in the twenty sixteen season season when which was his best year, uh even then, like it was heavily weighted to a very strong first half where he got hot. So I think mm-hmm. I think Coyle was just like a very solid player. Uh, whereas I, I think uh, maybe the other ones have a little more case for greatness. Yeah, I've written that about Charlie Coyle, I think, a bunch, uh, a bunch of times. He's a very solid NHL player, just never was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember, uh, this was 
he was traded as part of Paul Fenton's kind of gutting of the uh, Chuck Fletcher core. Um, he sent uh, Charlie Coyle to Boston return for uh fifth round pick, I believe. And Ryan Donato, a conditional fifth, I think is what the, the pick was. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Donato um, came to Minnesota, started off really hot, had a rough start to the season, but uh, has really picked up his play uh, as of recent. Yep, uh, Donato really did, uh, did has done well over the last sixteen games. He just added another goal on Sunday night. Uh, uh, Sunday night, if you are in, you know, around the turn of the new year, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure when this goes up, but uh, he's been doing really well. And then that pick that they got from Boston was used to trade up for Hunter Jones, I believe, who is playing a pretty good goalie in the uh, in the junior leagues. So uh, that uh, that could end up paying dividends. All right, now on to number six, the infamous Nick Letty trade. Oh, uh, a day which will live in infamy. Yep, this was. If I remember right, Chuck Fletcher's first move. Yep, as he, GM and first big I, one for sure. Yep, yeah, this was the uh, Nick Letty. Obviously, was was drafted by the Wild, and uh, this was like I said, this was the the Chuck Fletcher move, and they ended up getting going after Cam Barker in return, mm-hmm. and we all know kind of how that happened. Cam Barker fizzled out with the Wild, and Nick Letty went on to have quite the career for Chicago. And I think, isn't he still with the Islanders? Yeah. Not, not, not a super great career with Chicago. I mean, he had a couple of 30 point seasons there, but then he went to the Islanders and then he really became a kind of a top or not kind of, he became a top pairing defenseman for, I, I'd probably say half a decade there. Yeah. He's won a cup, uh, at least two cups with Chicago. Uh, one, I think. Okay. Yeah, the infamous Nick Letty trade. Um, and I, I think that he was a top-pairing defenseman, at least at points. Uh, and you asked me what kind of put him over Charlie Coyle, and that was what it was for me. And sure, that makes sense. Nick Letty um, was the quote-unquote Minnesota kid that uh, is just a wild killer. <laughs> and... Um, uh, from Eden Prairie, I believe, too, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go. This is all off the top of the head. But uh, that was – that uh, that one was definitely one that sticks in the craw of wild fans. Uh, before we get on to uh, picks five through one, I uh, just want to remind listeners that you are listening to Locked on Wild, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, uh, where it is your team every day. Uh, make sure you download and subscribe, support our sponsors, all that great stuff. All right, so Tony, uh, let's get rolling on this. Pick number five on on your top wild trades of uh, a top ten of the of this last decade. Yep, uh, top ten traded players of the last decade. Number five, I put Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, the, the painful one. Uh, pretty painful one. Nino Niederreiter, uh, really uh, great player. He's been struggling this year, though he has turned it on a little bit as of late. He's mm-hmm. been uh, he's been heating up a little bit, points in four straight games as of this recording. But um, you know, uh, we had said 
in the state of hockey, like, oh, look at what happens if you give Nino Niederreiter top minutes and a chance. Uh, he didn't even get top minutes, more of just a chance. Uh, and in 2016-17, he really exploded for a 57-point season. Mm-hmm. We all thought that he was somebody who could hit 30 goals in Minnesota. It never did happen. He was traded last season, goes to Carolina. And uh, what, like I said, he's, he struggled this season somewhat. Um, but his his start in Carolina was phenomenal with 14 goals and 30 points in 36 games in a Carolina uniform. A pretty respectable uh, 19 goals and 50 points in 75 games, which is kind of a, a, a typical Nino season. Right, and and for Nino, he was always kind of the player that uh, Mike Yo and Bruce Boudreaux would kind of use to kind of get other lines going. He was very much a uh, kind of a puck possession darling. He was always kind of um, one of those players that uh, you'd see on advanced stats websites where you know he was always usually over fifty percent in Corsi four or. Um, uh, expected goals, that kind of thing. He was he was an ex- advanced stats darling, and uh, unfortunately, it just never really seemed to really translate to uh, a lot of points. And uh, ultimately, uh, Paul Fenton was wondering why the hell they paid a uh, a um, a fourth liner as much money as they did. But uh, we all knew that he wasn't really a fourth liner. Uh, it just suffered from an injury the year before, and. Um, just kind of put pressure on himself to impress his new GM and was sent packing for it. And there you have it. The lesson for today, never try to impress your boss. Never, ever, never. ever. Uh, <laughs> number four. Number four is uh, maybe a bit of a shot being called by me uh, to, to put him over some of the other names on the list, but I'm going to go with Alex Tuck. Ooh. Yeah, I, I just I think I think part of it is just you know uh, having to uh, not having to but trading him uh, before you had any like idea of him realizing his potential. He just played uh, six games for the Wild and was twenty one years old when he was mm-hmm. traded to the Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft in exchange for taking Eric Halla and not one of, uh, say, Matt Dumba. So, um, but he's had a, a couple of really good years in Vegas. His first season was a 15-goal, 37-point season, and he followed that mm-hmm. up with a 20-goal, 52-point season. <laughs> um, you know, taking up uh, taking up bigger numbers. Uh, this year, I, I think injuries have been a factor for him, as well as uh, that Vegas lineup is real deep at forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's it's a little t- tougher for him to uh, to crack the top six with guys like Mark Stone in the lineup. Patch ready, Patch ready too. Uh, absolutely going off, but uh, Tuck is uh, he's he's got coil Nino size. He's very physical. He goes to the net. He makes flashy plays. He's got hands. Uh, he's got real good hands, and I think and some and some pretty good speed too. Uh, actually, for especially for a six four player, uh, he can really be like a freight train type of guy. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think Tuck is on this list. Uh, and, and and you know, like these are like the best years of his career coming up too. Mm-hmm. 
if he's if I remember right, I think Tuck is like six five ish or so. And he's, I think he's six four, but yeah, he's he's just absolutely he's an okay, absolute well, unit. Well, then it, then it's Greenway that's probably like six five or six six. You know, Greenway six six. Yeah, the height of a basketball player. Could you imagine Greenway and Tuck being both power forwards on this Minnesota Wild team? Oh, yes, <laughs> I, I can, except not now. I only see him now in my dreams. Yep. Um, sorry, that was a Titanic rip. That's that was a bad. <laughs> that was a bad stretch. That that joke sank. <laughs> uh, just like the Wild expansion draft. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely, um, yeah, that was the expansion draft. I, I think you and I had talked about this during the expansion draft, but uh, the Wild could have solved a lot of their um, salary cap issues that they had had if they had just exposed, uh, like, like, Jonas Brodeen or a, um, uh, they did ex- ex- expose um, Marco Scandellan for that one and just basically hope that they didn't take Eric Stahl. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, Chuck Fletcher decided to swing and uh, shot his shot with uh, with giving up Alex Tuck in order to protect his defenseman, which... Um, in fairness to Fletcher, it was an impossible decision, especially was, at the time. All those yeah. guys had come off of career years. It was incredibly difficult to do. But, but still I, not the right thing. Still not the right thing. We're, we're I think the Wilder are going to reel from that expansion draft for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Number three, number three. <laughs> it is another player that is, has struggled uh, quite a bit since uh, joining his new team last year. Uh, Mikhail Granlin's my number three. Yeah. It's weird that he's been struggling, isn't it? Yeah. But I still think he's like a really good quality player. He certainly was for the wild. Yeah, I I don't think that uh I don't think that if Granlin was still in the wild system that uh that he would be struggling and honestly I'm I'm really surprised that he hasn't found his way in Nashville and uh and you got to think that uh that there's a situation you got to think that Mikhail Granlin works on more than one team, you know. Uh, he's a player that uh you know is a creative player out there. He's 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 always looking to make a play. He isn't a shoot first player, but you know, if you have a bunch of shooters on your team, you need somebody to distribute the puck. I mean, the wild went ahead and acquired uh, yeah, through free agency, uh, Matt Zuccarello in order to try to replace that type of playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he's a free agent after this year. Um, perhaps maybe the wild goes sniffing around again at, at, at a guy like Granlin to, uh, to be another playmaker uh, again, he was a, a solid player for the wild. And uh, it is, it, I just find it weird that he hasn't really, really found uh, a really good spot within Nashville. I still ranked him at number three because I believe that like he's uh he's out of, out of the guys that we've talked about uh, uh, so far, like at least over the, the likes of like Nino, Nita Ryder and Charlie Coyle. Like I, I do think that, Granlin is like a legitimate top line scoring player. I just mm-hmm. don't know if uh, if it's with Nashville, and I and I think if he was still here, uh, we would be seeing that side. But yeah, he's my number three. Yeah, and the Wild got Kevin Fiala in the trade, and uh, I think you and I are both 
happy with getting Kevin Fiala. I think Kevin Fiala is probably going to be a very solid player for this team. And it's really kind of showing that he's a solid player for this team. The issue that I think that we had at the time, or at least I had with that trade was that there was nothing really else. The wild were giving up the more established player and there was no other like conditional pick or really anything that came along with it as a sort of, sort of like, um, you know, future guarantee or, uh, incentive to make that trade. Um, so it, it felt like, you know, looking at the 69 and 67 points in back-to-back years, it almost felt like, uh, Fenton was mismanaging the asset a little bit. That was Mikhail Granlund. Mm-hmm. So number two, if I can go to number two. Yep, go to two. Uh, so this uh, is back in the 2014 draft. And like a lot of times, like you can you can go to a trade and like you can draw like a, a Pepe Silvia board, right? Where mm-hmm. like this random draft pick became uh, or got flipped to like five teams and then, like, five years after you traded it initially, uh, it became Player X, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a long line to get there, right? Yep. Uh, so I, I didn't want to do those, uh, but this is an exception for a draft pick because you can draw a very straight line <laughs> from uh, from the Wild trading them because they traded this pick on draft day to the player that it became. We're going to go to the 20 – we are going to go to the 2014 NHL draft. Okay. Where the Minnesota Wild moved down from pick number 79 to pick 80. So they traded down one pick. Are you following me? Yep. They got uh, the 80th pick, which was, again, one pick down from what they had, where they yep. selected Louis Belpedio, and then they got a seventh-round pick. In exchange for that – the Tampa Bay Lightning got the 79th pick where they selected good Braden Point. Braden Point. They traded down one spot to let another team pick Braden Point. Hmm. And I get You went deep for that one. Yeah, well like it, I don't know, it just kind of sticks in my craw. And I know that like I know that you know, nobody, if anybody had an idea of what Braden Point was going to end up becoming, right? Mm-hmm. Then he wouldn't have been the uh, the 79th pick in that draft. Uh, though he did come off a 91-point season for Moose Jaw as a 17-year-old that year. Wow. Um, yeah, just just eye-popping numbers in, uh, in juniors. Uh, but he has turned into, like, honestly, like, if you had Braden Point on this team... And he had developed in the same way. You'd have your number one center right now. Right shot number one center. Yeah, you would. So. All right, before we get on to number one here, uh, let's just recap the top ten. It's uh, Jason Pominville at number ten. Merrick Zidlitsky at number nine. Martin Havlat at number eight. Charlie Coyle at, at seven. Nick Letty rounding out the bottom five. Uh, the infamous Nick Letty trade. Um and then we get into the top five here with Nino Niederreiter, Alex Tuck, Mikhail Granlin, and at number two, the 2014 79th pick, <laughs> <laughs> which became Braden Point. I, just, just, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. 
<laughs> they trade down one spot to let another team come in to swoop in to steal your girl and pick the, the one of the best young centers in the league. It just uh, I, I probably shouldn't swear. I don't know if we're a family <laughs> show or not. We can break right. that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the what do you got for number one then? Uh, number one is is got to be Brent Burns, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no way that that. Uh, doesn't end up number one on this list. And, you know, Minnesota got a good haul for Brent Burns, but, you know, he did go off and he won uh, He won a Norris Trophy and mm-hmm. he finished top three in Norris Trophies three times after he left. And he led uh, defensemen in scoring at least twice. Yeah. Now, he's, I, been a, he's been a very good player. I don't know how you uh, how you can't pick that. Uh, you know, it's funny about that trade because the wild got Charlie Coyle, Devin Setaguchi, and a first round pick. This is San Jose's first round pick that year. Mm-hmm. And I did not hate the trade. No, I didn't either. I thought Charlie Coyle, who turned into a very serviceable, a very solid NHL player. I thought Devin Setaguchi, who was still relatively young at the time, was coming off a, a pretty, a, a couple of, at least a good season for sure, with, with San Jose. Uh, he fizzled out and just didn't work here in Minnesota. Um, so that was probably uh, kind of a bad thing for the Wild. But really what came down to it was the first-round selection of Zach Phillips. Yeah, that, 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 really, that really kills this deal. And, like, if you go back, like, if you go back and you're able to, to know now what you didn't know at the time, right? You mm-hmm. could have gone, okay, uh, hey, instead of picking Zach Phillips, who uh, know that nobody puts cement in his skates, he just actually skates like that. <laughs> uh, you could pick Ricard Raquel or Brandon Saad or my personal favorite, John Gibson, who went 39th. The Wild would never have had to uh, tra- or, uh, trade for Devin Dubnik. Yep. So, it, like, it, if they would have gotten John Gibson out of that deal, along with Charlie Coyle, then I think that that's closer to a win. Maybe even a win, uh, just given the uh, the timeline of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, instead of paying Brent Burns to be bad, you have your number one goalie and a very strong middle, wing, uh, middle six winger. Uh, but, no, that's not the case. We got Zach Phillips. Speaking of the Devin Dubnik trade, what did you, where did you place that uh, that third round pick that the Wild sent packing? <laughs> I didn't even look up what it was. <laughs> I just remembered very distinctly the uh, the Braden Point thing. <laughs> All right, well that's a pretty good list. We got Brent Burns obviously capping that uh, top ten list. Um, I don't know if it's quite the murderer's row that uh, that Ottawa sent packing. But, I don't know uh, if anyone can touch Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a pretty solid list when you look at it. There's still a good amount of pain. You're going to groan listening to this episode. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, I think that probably does it for this episode, right? We're going to hit the dusty trail. We're going to hit the old dusty trail. Uh, again, if you enjoyed this show, please uh, go on iTunes. Leave us a review download subscribe so you never forget that uh that we're we are a daily podcast and we always have that showing up on your device 
Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Wild. You can follow me personally at Joe Boo number fifteen. Tony, uh, you are at Oh Hi Tony on Twitter, and you can also follow my work at the Athletic Minnesota. You can follow my work on uh, at, at zonecoverage.com. and uh, just uh, remember to uh, remember to floss. Remember to floss. Yeah, <laughs> guess you're gonna have uh, to see the dentist eventually. Just do it. And if uh, you know if the pain of the Nick Letty trade doesn't kill you, then uh, then flossing yeah, will. Gingivitis will. <laughs> maybe a tooth. Maybe a toothache does. <laughs> so, anyways, I appreciate you coming by, uh, enjoying the show. And this was Locked On Wild, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your Minnesota Wild team every day.